Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Should we start with how we made up or should we start with 80s? <laughs> Let's start with 80s because that's like our tradition. And then we could talk okay. about how we're BFFs again. Okay. Good. Good. We like we like to start with some happy news. Um, so... Uh, on this week in 1980, one of my absolute favorite movies, maybe of all time, with has had an awesome soundtrack. Uh, Urban Cowboy hit the theaters oh, yeah. this week in 1980. Whoa, that's a long time ago. Wow, that was a good flick. Did you like that? I mean, I was like suburban Chicago girl, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, I want to go to Texas and go to Gillies and ride the horse and listen to country music. You know, I haven't seen that movie in so long that I would, but now I'm immediately putting it on my list because I just rewatch movies from the 80s and the 70s now, basically. Um, and going back and kind of rewatching stuff I watched when I was younger. So that is 100% going on my list. And I, I will say, as a, as a kid, I was a, as a teenager, as a tween, I guess, I was a fan of John Travolta. You know, Grease. Oh yeah, I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to watch Saturday Night Live, but I did. Um, not a great movie, like no now Saturday Night me. Fever. I'm like no, Saturday Night Fever. What did I say? Yeah. Anyway, Correction. but no, I totally wanna. I'm totally gonna go back and watch. It has a great cast, for sure. <clears throat> oh Cowboy. God, such a great cast. Well, him, Deborah Winger, Scott Glenn, um, the fat guy who played. Uh, Bonnie Raitt is in it. Bonnie Raitt, Charlie Daniels. That was a really good. It was like a double album set. I think we we wore that out a few times. You know what's interesting? Just because we're always talking about cultural issues on the show, it's interesting about a movie like Urban Cowboy, where it really glorified like that kind of that Western culture. You know, yes. um, the cowboy. Whereas now it would be about how a cowboy committed a hate crime and then killed Indians. You know what I mean? Like we used to make movies that sort of glorified different features of Americana. And now the only movies that would focus about cowboys would be about how they killed Indians. And even a show like Yellowstone, which yeah. is like a soap opera and started out, I thought it started out interesting and then turned just you there had to be like a weird gay person. And then also a crazy environmentalist talking about how the land was stolen from the Indians. Although 1883 and I think 1923, which is they're, they're doing serials up until the current day are outstanding. Highly recommend them. Yellowstone disappointment, very PC, but even so my point stands, which is that we used to make movies that made people like you who lived, you know, in a suburban Illinois town or me mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, although I was exposed to Western culture being from Vegas, um, you know, to like that, to look up and be like, oh, I love this. And people would start wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. And, you know, it was something to aspire to. And now all we do is tear down our culture. So there's my <coughs> rant. I like it. That was a good Thank rant. You. Um, Thank you. So if you haven't seen Urban Cowboy, if you're like a, a youngin, a Gen Zer or a millennial, <laughs> God forbid, and you never saw it, tune in because it's just that is just a that's a nice little slice of American Americana. Yes. 
Okay, so, so do you want do you want to confess now? Do you want to tell yeah, everybody what you yes. did this last week? Both Liz and my brother successfully bullied me. I mean, I'm talking like four solid days of nonstop tweet texts and DMs <laughs> as to why I failed to watch the finale of Succession, which happened to fall on Sunday before Memorial Day, and we had a bunch of people over, and I didn't. Then I couldn't figure out the on-demand. Then John and I were out for a couple of nights. So Liz was having none of it and basically <laughs> threatened to cut me off forever, which I never lived without her. So I watched it and I mean, it was as good, better than expectations. A big shock there. I think I had a, I had Not a different for me. Guy. I had a different guy who was going to be the Gojo US CEO which I thought Did you think it was going to be Kendall? No, I thought it was going to be Greg because I just thought that would be hilarious. I thought they would sort of make up in the end. That would um, be that's that's almost surreal. Greg the egg. Greg Greglet. Greg Greg got to break some Gregs to make a tomlet. Yeah, you can't is? make a tomlet without breaking some Gregs. Is that or when Tom says, I have several people gregging for me today, like when they were going off to <laughs> some trip. But it was great, yeah. right? It was great. Well, you and I talked about it, like the whole scene at the mom's house and they're cooking and, you know, you could see them back as like kids, even though they're frenemies and competitors. There was just a little bit of that human aspect that, of course, quickly blew up, but it, it, the show is just so well done. The script is genius and the acting is like off the charts. So I'm sure they'll all be nominated for Emmys. It would be hard to pick who deserves it. Um, but it, it, if you haven't watched it, and I think it's only four seasons, if you're looking for like something to binge on this summer, I would strongly suggest that. Yeah. I think the show is, is very Shakespearean. It's like a Shakespearean tragedy um, mm -hmm. because – like that scene in the kitchen, I just thought was so, so well done because you see them, they're so childlike. And then, you know, we fast forward and it's time. Look, if you haven't watched Succession, you should probably turn our podcast off by now. Yeah, exactly. ruin it. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, we fast forward to the, the big day and the meeting and the Gojo deal and all this. And you see that at the end of it, they're still children, right? Yeah. I mean, they're still children and they couldn't ever kind of recover from the damage that Logan kind of did to them and their horrible mother, who's just horrible. Um, how funny was it when Roman was licking the cheese? It was hilarious. Oh, mummy. Oh so was licking the cheese. Um, and but just yeah, the whole so idea that they made this disgusting like mixture, like kids would do oh, yeah. and force one of the siblings to drink it while it they're laughing. Yeah, exactly. I will say, you know, you know who deserves an Emmy for sure. I don't even think it would be a contest is I can't remember his name and I know it is the man who scored that series. The musical score yeah, good point. for Succession is absolutely phenomenal. It's really I think it made the show just yes. the, the theme, the music. Just really good. And, you know, somebody pointed this out, I think on Reddit, which is generally a cesspool, is that this is one of the few shows that's very successful and very popular that doesn't have excessive sex and violence in it. It's really True. just like a plot driven show. It really um, is. So, 
I will miss Succession, but definitely glad that I glad that I watch it. And I'm almost certain I watched it because you got me to start watching it because I didn't start watching it. Oh, it's really? a great oh, show this, to binge. Oh, this is a whole new wrinkle to the argument. Then, then you really had no right to bully me. <laughs> We're reversing. <laughs> like now, I'm not speaking. To you, you have no standing. I'm not talking to you. You have no vent. You have no venue. That's our big word this week, venue. So before we get into the Trump <clears throat> uh, looming indictments, we're going to have Mike Davis with the Article 3 project on with us here shortly. Um, before we get into that, what else was happening this week? Well, it's Pride Month, so Ugh, we've geez. got to be tormented. I guess in New York City, they've replaced all the American flags with Pride flags. You see the military um, are once proud military is um, has pride flags and lighting everywhere. Um, so there's that, Liz. There was um, Bud Light and Target continue to suffer grave financial um, consequences for not just it's not even that they were pride like you're gay. Here's a rainbow flag or whatever. But just the almost like aggressive in your face marketing of this. And of course, in the case of Target, um, directing their their advertising campaign for children. I mean, having I think people draw the line at kids. Most people, your average people, I'm not talking about extreme, you know, people that are very right on the right, but just your average person does not give a shit about if you're gay. They don't even give a shit. They don't give a shit about drag shows. And there have been pride parades going on for decades. I remember I stumbled on a pride parade on accident when I was in Boston. I was going shopping on Newberry Street where all the shops are. And there was a pride parade in the area. And I saw some shit that I took me a long time to recover for. But that was in the 90s. Pride right. has been going on. Nobody. That's right. You, you didn't. This wasn't a national crisis. People weren't screaming about it. It's a whole nother level when you are getting kids involved in this and you are having kids watch things that really in, in the case of some of these pride parades, it's obscene. It is straight. People can't do that in public. There's laws against it. You cannot do those things to your partner if you're heterosexual in public, because it's like there's indecency statues. So, but when you bring kids to drag shows that are sexual, you can't bring kids to strip clubs. I mean, I'm from Vegas. I've seen everything. You can't shock me, but you have to be 18 in Vegas to see that shit. Or right. in a lot of cases, 21, because there's gambling and liquor. So, so this year's Pride, it's like on June 1, everybody's logo turned into the whatever it is, the rainbow with the extra colors. There's a black and brown for obviously our oppressed minority friends and then the pink and blue for people who are confused about their gender, boy, girl, two-spirit, whatever. Um, and now it's just full on in in your face. And I think I think people are sick of it. I think they don't care, but they're not going to choke on this either. And so, like I mentioned, Target and Bud Light 
have suffered financial consequences. Bud Light for putting Dylan Mulvaney, who is, I don't know, some a guy that probably a gay male, but a guy that thinks he's a woman and basically mocks women, look, like makes fun of them um, on their can of beer, which, of course, they're niche market for their beer is like a NASCAR redneck crowd. Bud Light is disgusting. I mean, I wouldn't drink it, but it's, you know, it's got its market. And, you know, they alienated those people. So I think we're going to, you know, it's only the 8th, the first week of June. There's probably more to come, but I know, um, I think the White House has been celebrating a bunch. Um, oh, I think Joe Biden know. has some some appearance tonight with Oh, that's right. He somebody. does. I yeah. don't know the person, but there's some person going to be at the White House today at in the I guess they're waking him up. Joe Biden has literally the lightest schedule, you know, yeah, it's um, funny to, to see what it is. Politico he's, posted every morning and I'm like, wait, where's the rest of it? That's all he's doing. It's, it's also posted every morning in morning greatness at amgreatness.com. Yeah. Um, Shouldn't give but, a shout out to our competitor. Someone named Betty who is yes. is going to be at the White House. He will host a pride celebration. I don't know who that is. So let me, you know, again, the pride parade used to be about gays and lesbians and bisexual people. And now it's not like White House has gay people there anymore. They have gay people working there, literally, you know, because they have KJP, who's a proud whatever I think she likes to remind people that she's the first lesbian uh True. press secretary um but a lot of these people it's like it has to get up a ra- it, it has to ratchet up it's not enough just to be like your average gay dude or your average lesbian or something no it's going to be like some crazy transgender chick with a dick you know what i mean it's like yeah really not about if I were like a gay or lesbian person, I would feel slighted. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. What about me? Well, what's anyway. interesting is there are now coalitions of parents. There was a big protest in Montgomery County, Maryland this week with, and it's a Muslim led group and it's called like opt out. And they're working with Christian parents to opt out, to allow their kids to opt out of these, this curriculum um, that is aimed at LGBTQ, whatever material in school. <clears throat> and so they really clashed with uh, the other side. And there was this big trans Tifa, basically trans Tifa, which is trans. That's right. So that that's sort of getting interesting. So that was quite the fiery protest and then followed by a meeting. And you've got these you know, parents who are saying, you know, protect our children. And, you know, this has been happening at school boards, of course. And then the FBI is spying on people who well, are they're terrorists, <laughs> right? They're domestic so terrorists. So now are the Muslims finally going to end up on a terror watch list now? Is this how it's going to happen? Oh, no. Well, you know, maybe if they do, maybe Democrats will actually get back to their roots of, you know, protecting people from government surveillance. So they used to be. No. Before I don't the think Trump so. era. You know, that there was a similar protest in California. The Armenians came out, I think, in California a couple days ago, and they also were protesting. And Antifa went and beat tried to beat those parents up too. And right. remember, this is just so people can opt out. And I think I think that that's I think that that's 
fair. Personally, I don't think any of this extreme sexuality or gender quackery should be taught at all. I don't think that's the role of the school. That's right. But the the default should be you're opted out. And if you want your kid to learn about stuff, you can opt in. But this idea that everybody's going to learn this at such a young age is absolutely atrocious. And parents are mad, especially religious. Like, you know, again, you have the Muslims out in force. And just for people who don't know how D.C., the D.C. area is, or the DMV, as we call it, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Montgomery County is literally where the deep state lives. It's a very, very wealthy county, and it is where every evil person that works for the government lives. They all <laughs> live in MoCo. It's called, they call it, we call it MoCo. It's okay. the county where I think it is the sanctuary county city. Like it's the sanctuary county where you, you can't ask under any circumstances for any like immigration status at all. So it's extremely liberal there. But, you know, the Muslim parents, I don't blame them. They're religious. They don't want their kids to be exposed to this kind of stuff. And they don't, you know, they have a way they want to teach their children about sexuality. And I think everybody, every parent should have that, have that right. Everybody probably agrees with me, except like the DOJ, which because it's um, actually terrorist, terroristic to say that. So (laughs) this is going to keep going. It's just going to get worse, I think. Not going oh, yes. away. It will. It's not going away. It'll be a big issue, a political issue, just like it was like in the Virginia um, governor's race. I think it will be a big issue for 2024. And look, the polling is not in the Democrats' favor on this at all. You know, people are like, okay, yes, if you want to live your life, great. Keep your hands off our kids and don't indoctrinate them. And this is just turning into a total freak show. So, um, and these corporations are getting a lot of pressure too, like it, w- yeah. which is great. I think ideally this is really what needs to happen, where people are not going to Target when they're stopped buying Bud Light, and then at the same time the a- activists. And I, I believe I'm sure you agree with me, Julie. These are just this is a very small group of very loud people who who have the ability to get their message out. But this is in no way like a significant chunk of the population. I think a lot of gay people aren't down with this stuff either. And so um, the corporations are getting pressured from these extremist groups not to cave in to the customers (laughs) that don't want their products because they don't want, you know, easy tuck bathing suit for their seven-year-old or – they don't want to buy a beer with Dolan. They, they want to buy the trans beer or whatever. And so they're really getting squeezed. And so Bud Light is um, sponsoring in Arizona a all-ages drag show. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's what needs to happen because these corporations have no business inserting themselves in policy disputes or po- right. politics. Or if they want to do it, then they suffer – then they will suffer the consequences of losing, you know, their market cap value. So, or like Ron DeSantis did in Florida. Okay, well, we're going to use the tools of the government. You know, if you want to get engaged in policy decisions, then we are going to use our tools to do what we can to shape, you know, a cleaner, safer <laughs> culture for our kids. So, I right, and in, in Florida, Disney was getting had so many benefits. 
I mean, the government had given them so many benefits and then to have them sort of come out and, you know, in, get in basically insert themselves in an area where at first they didn't even get involved. I mean, there was a lot of pressure from the millennial Gen Z workers to, to, to take a stand against the, the falsely named don't say gay bill, but they got involved. And so Ron DeSantis rightly said, okay, well, we're not, you don't get any benefits anymore. If this is what you want to do, if you want to engage in the political process. And I think that's fair. So we'll see. We've got three more weeks of Pride Month. Um, then everybody's avatar and Twitter will just turn back to normal. Notice that these multinational corporations don't change their logos in countries that like kill gay people. You know what I mean? Like Mercedes Benz Uganda doesn't have a rainbow in their <laughs> right. Twitter avatar um, this month because in Uganda they they now will kill kill gay people or in some of these Middle Eastern countries that throw gay people off of buildings, right? Like they don't do that. Rolls Royce, Land Rover, they don't change their logos. So anyway, we're still, we still got two, I don't know, whatever. We got three quarters of the month left. I just, I just don't care. I don't, live your best life and leave me alone and leave <laughs> the kids alone for sure. So aside from that pivoting now to our corrupt DOJ and FBI, the big controversy this week was that um, the uh, Republicans in Congress led by Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer plan to proceed with contempt of Congress charges against FBI Director Christopher Wray for failing to produce this FD-1023, this document uh, that recorded information from a confidential human source, also known as an informant, about Joe Biden taking a bribe, either discussing or I believe it was accepting a bribe, for $5 million in exchange for policy preferences when he was vice president. Um, so this has been an ongoing dispute over the past few weeks. They had a call with Christopher Ray. He said he would produce it. Then he said, OK, I'll have you look at it. That's it. So Comer was going to start contempt of Congress proceedings uh, Thursday morning. They had a lengthy resolution that detailed um, Ray's, uh, what would you call it? Lack of cooperation. It's not it. Arrogance. He doesn't care. He's never been punished for anything. So he doesn't care. Right. OK, go ahead. Do it. Uh, and then at the last minute on Wednesday night, Comer announced that, OK, no, we won. Chris Ray is going to show us all of us this FD 1023. So members of Congress Thursday morning now are headed to a skiff. It's a secure location. This is not a classified document, Liz. To our understanding, it's unclassified, but they're headed to a skiff to look at this form uh, that uh, allegedly details this bribery scheme between then Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national, which and it sounds like this individual is tied to Ukraine. Possibly mm. this could blow up the whole idea that when Biden <laughs> threatened to have the uh, the uh, prosecutor in Ukraine, who was investigating Shokin, have him fired. He was investigating Burisma, uh, who Hunter Biden was taking money from every month under the ruse that he was a board member as he's sniffing cocaine off of a carpet. Um, So this could be pretty explosive. 
Still, there are a hundred reasons why House Republicans should not just hold Christopher Wray in contempt, but should start impeachment proceedings so they can explain to the American people how corrupt this FBI is, especially under his leadership. But they didn't. And so we'll see. My thought is that Chris Ray probably will win this one again. Um, we'll see. If oh, no, anyone... he already won. No, he no, won. He, he, You're right. You're right. He already won. Like there's from what I understand, there was conflicting like demands placed on Chris Ray. Like Kevin McCarthy said it was sufficient for them just to let Comer and the committee look at the memo and Comer demanded the, uh, the actual memo, right? Like he's not going to go into some room and not a skiff because it's not classified. So he's not going to go. They're not going to go to the DOJ and then get to look at the memo. But I think they won't. I don't I doubt that they'd be able to, like, take notes. You know, nobody there is like a scribe to, like, copy every single single thing down. Right. Well, they have to and leave then, their cell phones. Right. You can't take any devices into the skiff. Right. But it's not even in a skiff because it's not classified. Why but would that's it be where they're skiff? headed. But they're going to. Well, then that's just right. I mean, it's just yeah. it's more garbage. It's like Lucy in the football where they have again. Lucy has yanked the football away from Charlie Brown Republicans who went to go kick it. So wh whatever happened, whatever the miscommunication is, Chris Ray's going to let them see it. They can't have it. And then that's fine. And he's not going to be held in contempt now. Like they're not doing it. They're not going to vote for it. So, I mean, it's a joke. It's it's like you could almost predict this was going to happen. I mean, not that holding him in contempt was going to have any consequences for him either. But still, it's not, it, it won't. I mean, and this is really just one small wrinkle of what the FBI is doing um, to cover up for the Biden family, while at the same time, as we know, going after Donald Trump and his associates, his family members, and of course, his voters under the January 6th prosecution. So I would prefer impeachment proceedings. There doesn't look like they're going to do that. And look, we know why they're scared. I get it. This DOJ and FBI is totally rogue. They're totally reckless. They will think of anything that they possibly can to put any member of Congress under investigation. Some of them already are, like Representative Scott Perry. They're afraid that they're going to be tied into any conspiracy charges that Donald Trump is going to be indicted on, especially related to January 6th. So, you know, it's just it, there has been no movement to defund the FBI. There's some talk about getting rid of plans for this new shiny FBI headquarters in either Virginia or Maryland that apparently will be bigger than the Pentagon, as Mike Waller has reported. Uh, just a lot of bluster. Um, oh, yeah. So that's sort of what's frustrating people about this. No, so we'll see if anybody explains what this form says. My bet would be on MTG. She was headed to the skiff this morning. Hopefully she will do a little video and explain what was in there. Because well, you know what, Liz, we shouldn't follow the rules. If the FBI is not going to follow the rules, the Democrats, the Biden regime, why should Republicans say, well, Chris Ray, you know, took our devices and asked us not to tell anyone. So what? Well, I'll tell Do you it. why. I'll tell you why. And I, too, am of that mind. However, the rules, they don't follow the rules and they don't because there's no consequences for them not to follow the rules. There are consequences for us.
And so if like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying MTG shouldn't come out and tell everybody what's in the memo. Look, if it's not classified, then she's not breaking any laws. Um, but, you know, they would they would like throw her in jail or arrest her or something. I mean, that, that there are consequences for us not to follow the rules or for the other side not to follow true. the rules. So, that's and true. that, and that's, and that's why, and then, you know, and you know, cause you covered J6 and you just saw like you had two examples of like, you know, breaching the white house, burning down a church, setting DC on fire, assaulting who knows how many federal agents over the course of the summer of love in 2020. And then, and then you, on the other hand, you have J6. So the rules aren't applied, but I get it. And I hope she, I hope she says what, the move is smart for Ray to do this because what it allows is for someone like MTG to say what's in the memo, but not to have a memo and then make it public, right? If you remember back to the beginning of the Russia collusion hoax, really it was uh, Ben Smith over at BuzzFeed that really like pissed in the Wheaties when he released the dossier. They were never wanted to release the dossier because it was so farcical on its face. Anyone who saw it, knew it was garbage right but they all they only wanted it so they could allude to it like oh well there's this dossier we have on trump's connection to russia oh you can't see it you know but it's there and then everyone would just run with that go there's a dossier and it's full of information but once ben smith let that out the you know the ability to like put to use that as a credible explanation for what for what they were doing to Donald Trump went away. So here too, with this memo, if it, if it's just a question of impeaching Marjorie Taylor Greene, which they do on an hourly basis, right? Or going after Comer, anybody else who comes out of that meeting after seeing the memo and saying things, they're just gonna say, the mainstream media and the um, corporate media are just gonna say, oh, it's just Republicans are saying stuff and there's no evidence and that's just what they're saying. You know, again, it's that double standard. So in a way, <clears throat> I do see what what Ray Ray won. I mean, he won because he's not getting a tempo, but he also won because he can keep it alive without the pressure of somebody pointing to a document and saying, look at this document. How is this not illegal for the Joe Biden. So, well, and then um, Margot Cleveland at the Federalist um, talked to former Attorney General Bill Barr, the most useless Attorney General we could ever have had, thanks for nothing, um, who disputed Jamie Raskin's claims that Bill Barr and his uh, U.S. Attorney, I think it was in Pennsylvania, who was tasked to look at information that Rudy Giuliani had passed on about the Bidens in Ukraine, that that was investigation was closed. Apparently what Bill Barr said, that was that record was turned over to the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who still how long has he been investigating uh, Hunter Biden? Oh, my God. Four like years, five, five years? years or something. Five years. So yes. With nothing. So that was in dispute. Um, but again, Liz, none of this matters because nothing is going to happen. So we're no. just going to have to sit here and take it and wait for the next major shoe to drop, which will be the criminal indictment of Donald Trump. The first criminal indictment, related, which will be mishandling, obstruction and the Espionage Act, possibly violations for Trump's uh, possession of classified documents. 
So we're going to talk to Mike Davis at the Article 3 project on the, about that. So to break down the looming criminal indictment of Donald Trump making history, Special Counsel Jack Smith either could be the next, like today, Friday, next week. We are so glad to have our friend Mike Davis with the Article 3 project. He is in high demand, but making time for Liz and me on happy hour to break all this down, what we can expect and what will happen after this indictment is announced. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Two of my favorite ladies. So thank you. I just want to say, if you are not following Mike on Twitter, you are not living a complete life because Mike <laughs> is fire on Twitter. When you use the fire emoji, that is like Mike on Twitter. So you are so bold and brave and concise and amazing on Twitter on on every issue. So I'll put your Twitter handle in our show notes. Please go follow Mike. And okay, so go ahead, Julie, you take the lead. No, that's a very good advice. So Mike, where are we now? We're recording on Thursday morning. Um, it looks like there will be maybe two indictments, one out of Southern Florida, one out of Washington, D.C. This is only for the classified documents case that Jack Smith has been investigating, not January 6th, which will be the, the bigger bombshell. So why don't you just explain to our listeners where we are, what we can expect and what happens after this indictment is announced? Yeah. So, again, thank you for having me on. Let me just start by saying that any indictment of President Trump for having his presidential records and the office of former president is completely bogus. This is lawfare against Trump. This is part of a pattern by Democrats, starting with uh, Alvin Bragg in New York uh, indicting Trump for the non-crime of settling a nuisance claim. Uh, uh, they brought several, like over three dozen felony charges against Trump under some bogus theory of election law that was previously rejected by the uh, Federal Election Commission, the Mad Manhattan U.S. Attorney, prior Manhattan U.S. Attorney, the prior Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg himself, but now that they see that Trump is leading the Republican field and has a good shot of winning back the White House, the lawfare begins. And so it's with Alvin Bragg with that theory. Uh, Fannie Willis is also looking at President Trump down in Georgia, another partisan hack left-wing prosecutor for the non-crime of a president objecting to the presidential election, which is uh, specifically allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It's also allowed by the First Amendment. If it were a crime to object to a presidential election, Democrats would be in prison for objecting to Republican wins in 1969, 2001, 2005, and 2017 with Trump. And it's only a crime to object to presidential elections and third world Marxist hellholes. It's also not a crime for people to organize and protest in a, to object to presidential elections like they did on January 6th. Uh, the people who showed up on January 6th came to a legal protest. There was a permit by the National Park Service and a protest. Some of them got out of control and it turned into a riot. Some people trespassed. Some people were let in. Some people trespassed. Some people were violent. Uh, you can treat 
people differently. You can say the people who trespassed, if you actually know that they trespassed and, the, and there's not Capitol Police surveillance video with the police letting them in, if they actually trespassed, you charge them with trespassing. If they were violent, you charge them more harshly. But this idea that you're going to charge, you're going to lump everyone together and say that they're so, uh, part of some insurrection. Uh, how many insurrectionists get to a nation's uh, Senate floor Go in there and take selfies and don't burn the, the place down. Like, give me a break that this was some organized insurrection. I don't think – sorry to say it, I love Trump, but I don't think he's organized enough to, to organize an insurrection. So uh, <laughs> True. There, there's that. Um, and the so that, that that's what they're looking at with Fannie Willis in Georgia. Jack Smith is also looking at a piece of that with a special counsel process. Garland's hand-picked partisan hit, uh, hitman – Jack Smith, uh, he is the guy you bring in to take out Republican presidential candidates like Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, who Jack Smith brought this bogus charge against him that was eventually overturned by the Supreme Court eight to nothing. It would have been nine to nothing, but Justice Scalia passed. But he did the damage, right? He took out a Republican presidential candidate. And that's what Garland and Biden are doing again with Jack Smith, with Trump. They're going after him for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records in the office of former president, which is specifically allowed by the Presidential Records Act. And a presidential record is any document created or received by the president or his White House staff. So if the CIA creates a document and it's highly classified and they send it to the president or his staff, it is a presidential record. And it doesn't matter whether the president takes classified or unclassified presidential records. That's why Congress gives former presidents federally funded office of the former president, very secure office space with secret service protection and uh, federally funded staff with security clearances. These documents that, that Garland and Biden raided from Trump and Mar-a-Lago, these presidential records that they raided illegally were uh, were in Trump's possession for 18 months after he left the White House, and they were never leaked to the press. The only time they started leaking is when Biden raided Trump and started leaking them. That's so that just shows you what that's all about. This is not about look. They're trying to go after Trump for espionage. The Espionage Act does not even apply to presidents or former presidents in their handling of of their presidential records. It is the Presidential Records Act that controls, they know this. They know that the Presidential Records Act does not have a criminal component to it, right? It is a it is for the bureaucrats of the National Archives to duke it out with the former president to figure out who, 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 who owns the records. There is a 2012 case by an Obama judge that, of course, they're going to ignore. This 2012 case by this Obama judge dealing with Tom Fenton at Judicial Watch, our good friend, sued Bill Clinton, because Bill Clinton had eight years, 79 audio tapes, eight years of highly classified audio recordings of his presidency in his sock drawer, not in a skiff, not in a secure place in his sock drawer. Right. And so Tom Fitton sued and this Obama judge correctly held that under the Presidential Records Act, it is the president's sole determination whether these are presidential records that go to the archives and almost certainly get sent back to the former president to get put in his library, or they are personal records that belong to the president. It does, it does not matter whether they're classified. Again, former presidents are secure. Why does that Clinton sock case not have 
the same application to President Trump. And President Trump actually declassified the crossfire hurricane records, the Russian collusion records that we're seeing from John Durham's special counsel report show that Hillary's campaign colluded with President Obama, Vice President Biden, the, the attorney general, the CIA director, the FBI director, Comey, all of these bad actors, they colluded to make up the Russian collusion hoax and unle unleash the bogus crossfire hurricane investigation against Trump to hobble his presidency, to try to take him out in 2016 as a presidential candidate. They did this because Hillary got caught with her home server, her illegal home server as secretary of state. It was it had our most classified secrets. It got hacked by foreign enemies, including probably Russia. And, uh, and she obstructed justice when she got a congressional subpoena. And they covered up for this politically by rushing uh, by launching the Russian collusion hoax. Right. This is a scam to get Trump. And I'll stop talking so you can ask questions. Um, I have a question, and I think our listener, it would be helpful for our listeners. Let's just talk about the president's authority to declassify documents, because the headlines are talking about how Trump had classified documents, and we saw pictures of these classified documents on the floor. It was just horrible. But the president is the one that has my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, and Julie isn't a lawyer, but she's almost a lawyer because she's on Pacer all the time. But my understanding is that the president has the ultimate authority to declassify. So there's no like review board. There's no someone else that needs to like sign off on it or interagency consensus that the president actually has the ultimate classification authority. So if he has documents and he says they're not classified, then they're not classified. Am I right? Or can you talk a little bit about that? That's that's 100 percent correct. Presidents under the Constitution, presidents are the commander in chief. They have the inherent constitutional authority as the commander in chief to classify or declassify anything they want for any reason they want in any manner they want. Let me give you an example. When President Obama was president, he got caught on the hot mic leaning over to the Russian puppet president and said, tell Vladimir Putin that I'll have more negotiating room on Star Wars or whatever it was after the presidential election. That is some of the most highly classified information I can imagine. It's telling our adversary our strategic position on a key issue coming directly from the president of the United States's mouth. If that were if that were the vice president relaying that Without the president's permission, the vice president can get charged with espionage. But because it's the president of the United States, he cannot be charged with espionage. He is the declassifier. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of the Navy versus Egan. Point two, President Trump absolutely declassified these records uh, when he took them. And you can declassify by your actions as evidenced by the Clinton software case. And President Trump specifically declassified the crossfire hurricane records. And that's what this is all about. Everything about classified records and, you know, putting our national security in danger, that is bogus. The whole point of this raid by Biden and Garland was to get back Trump's declassified copy of his crossfire hurricane records that are so damning to Obama, Biden, Hillary, Comer, or uh, yeah, Comey, I'm sorry, Comey, the FBI, former FBI director, the CIA director at the time, the, the attorney general, these are so damning because they weaponized the justice system and law enforcement 
against a presidential candidate and they lied to the FISA court to get an illegal spy warrant on Paige Carter and others probably. But remember, we saw with the Durham report, the unclassified version, Trump had the declassified, the, the once classified, the declassified version in Mar-a-Lago. And that's what they had to go get because it is so damning. It's so damning. And uh, here's the final point. That's point two. The final point is this. This whole idea about classification or not classified, that is a smokescreen. That is where uh, Biden and Garland are trying to make this look like it's a legitimate fight. It's not. Again, it does not matter whether former presidents have their classified presidential records. Presidential records could be classified. They could be non-classified. It doesn't matter whether former presidents have their uh, classified records. They're allowed to have them under the Presidential Records Act, and that's why they get the secure office of former president by Congress that we discussed. Mike, can you talk a little bit about what is emerging as a bit of a controversy and maybe um, a trip up for special counsel Jack Smith? So the investigation originated in D.C. It was run out of the Department of Justice before Jack Smith was appointed by Garland in November 2022 to give this mirage of independence. But it looks like, and of course, they were hauling people before the grand jury in Washington, D.C., both for classified documents and January 6th. But all of a sudden, that grand jury sort of went dormant. And then we just learned really this week that by the New York Times that a grand jury had been impaneled in southern Florida. And it it sort of makes a lot of sense that that is the proper venue and jurisdiction since the alleged obstruction case would have only or crime obstruction crime would have only happened in southern florida at mar-a-lago including trump's meetings with his attorney evan evan cochran uh meeting with jay bratt the head of uh, counterintelligence for the doj and federal investigators and of course that's where the search warrant was approved um by by the judge in southern florida so did Smith and his team, his genius team of Hague prosecutors and, you know, Trump hating prosecutors already in DOJ, did they mess that up and then realize at the last minute, well, we better get this these indictments out of the Southern District of Florida. Otherwise, we're going to be screwed. It's going to be tossed in D.C. because there's no pro- it's not the proper venue. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, actually, I think that Jack Smith is a lot more sinister and smart than we give him credit for. I think he, uh, what I think is happening here is I think they're going to bring this indictment in DC under the espionage act. And it's completely bogus because again, it's not espionage that applies to the former president's, uh, handling of his presidential records. It is the presidential records act. They know this, they know this, this is all bogus. They've already duped the 11th circuit with their hysterics. Uh, remember, it's the National Security Division who is who is running this thing. The National Security Division, along with these uh, rogue components of the FBI that ran this FBI raid on Trump, th- these are the same components of the Justice Department that ran the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, the bogus Crossfire Hurricane investigation. So like Biden, they have every incentive to try to get back these documents and clean up their own illegal conduct. Uh, So just keep that in mind as we go. Remember, they're going to ignore the 2012 Clinton sock drawer case that's binding precedent. They're also going to ignore the uh, they're also going to ignore a 2019 binding legal opinion from the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel. This is binding on the attorney general, federal prosecutors, the entire executive branch. 
that it is generally not legally possible to obstruct investigations into non-crimes. So if it was not a crime for former President Trump to have his presidential records classified or not in the office of former president, it's not. He's allowed to take them under the 2012 Clinton Sartor case that they're going to ignore. Then you can't charge obstruction of justice. They know this as well. So they're going to ignore that 2012 U.S. District Court case in D.C. They're going to ignore this 2019 binding legal opinion from the the Justice Department. They're going to indict Trump. Now, will they do it in D.C. or Southern District of Florida? I think they're going to do it in D.C. just because you have more uniparty judges. It's a 95 percent Democrat jury pool, and it's probably like 99.9 percent who hate Trump because even the Republicans in D.C. are total cowards. Um, So there's that. Uh, I think that you could have a, a second, second special or second grand jury in Florida, in Miami, for witnesses, for convenience of witnesses, maybe law enforcement, so they can go there and testify to the grand jury, like Secret Service agents, so they don't have to pull them, pull them out of Mar-a-Lago and fly them to D.C. when they need them down in Mar-a-Lago for security reasons. Maybe they're testifying in Miami and they're going to read the transcripts back in D.C. to the grand jury in D.C. before the indictment. I expect the indictment in D.C. The only thing that would make me pause to think that Jack Smith may try to bring the indictment in Florida instead of D.C. is that 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 Clinton Sartor case is binding on the D.C. District Court. It's only persuasive for the Southern District of Florida. So, Mike, I'm a firm believer that the process is the punishment with this and with the J6ers and so many of the stuff we've been seeing out of the DOJ. Um, It's not really a question of what the law says or what's legal or what the precedent is. So how long do you expect or do you think or can you predict it's going to take to sort this out? I mean, you mentioned a couple of times, oh, they're going to ignore the, the Clinton sock drawer um, precedent. Or, and, and how far up the legal ladder is this going to have to go? And how many years is it going to take for this to get, I guess, for justice to be done or or not? Because, you know, if it, if if these trials are held in with a D.C. jury and we already know how that's going to go. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, and remember, the National Security Division also duped the 11th Circuit, including Trump appointees on the 11th Circuit, and convinced them that the Espionage Act applies here when it does not. It absolutely does not. And these judges were misled or willfully ignorant. I don't know, but they're even worse in D.C. The D.C. uniparty district court judges uh, are horrific, with very few exceptions. Uh, Julie knows that very well. They're all horrific. There are no exceptions <laughs> from the January 6th stuff. They're uniparty, right? And they're they're They are D.C. based uniparty judges on the D.C. District Court. The D.C. Circuit is Obama controlled and the Republicans, the Republican on the Republicans on the D.C. Circuit are largely uniparty judges. So this will have to be resolved by the Supreme Court. The issue is timing. Could it get resolved early or after a conviction? Early would be that that Trump's legal team would challenge the sufficiency of the indictment. Uh, The D.C. District Court would have to rule. They'd probably rule against Trump because that's what you can expect in D.C. The D.C. Circuit will probably rule against Trump. I don't even know if that's immediately appealable or not. I'd have to look into that. Julie may know. But regardless, you may have have a situation where Trump is uh, convicted of espionage which is just insane that that they even think a former president could be convicted for espionage for his handling of his own presidential records. 
but you could have a former president convicted of espionage and on appeal he wins back the white house and he, he goes and becomes the president of the united states and the either the supreme court reverses this bogus espionage conviction on appeal or president trump will just pardon himself which he should do um I will just say, after following all the January 6th cases so closely closely in the D.C. district, for people out there who are scratching their heads saying, oh, no, they would never indict Trump for espionage, I'm telling you, this DOJ gets away with weaponizing any law, any statute, including seditious conspiracy, which is a Civil War era statute, has nothing to do with January 6th. Not only have they brought almost two dozen charges, they've gotten convictions and plea deals on it. Same thing with obstruction of an official proceeding, which was a post-Enron statute. Um, every single judge except for one refused to dismiss that count, even though it has no relevancy to political protests whatsoever. So they weaponized that. They're setting these really dangerous precedents with the law, and these judges are really are nothing more than a rubber stamp, and that includes the D.C. Circuit, to your point. Um, so... This is where this is headed and people need to prepare. This may sound like crazy talk, but we've been so close to it. We know what and, you know, these the the DOJ has almost a 100 percent conviction rate before D.C. regular juries and these crazy indictments coming out of D.C. grand jury. Of course, these are the same people, right, Mike, who sit on regular juries that are on a grand jury. Yeah, I mean it's there. It's it's horrific in D.C. It, it, there's no chance that President Trump will get a fair trial in Washington D.C. Period. Full stop. There's no chance he'll he'll get a fair appeal. And remember what the we have to remind people what the Justice Department did here. Remember they went, they they had this Sophia Brill on this case. Sophia Brill is a politically she's a political activist. She's a Democrat who worked for two. Democrat senators on the Senate Judiciary Committee before she went and worked for the National Security Division in the Biden Justice Department. The, the National Security Division is corrupt, it's dirty, and they are the ones who are running this operation against Trump, right? And it's from Jay Bratt, he, who's the head of this operation, he's he's dirty. These this, these rogue FBI units, This is a these are very bad people. These are the same units that ran Crossfire Hurricane against Trump, spied on his presidential campaign, spied on him when he was the president, came up with all the hoaxes. This is the these are the dirty units at the Justice Department, including the FBI. And remember, they went down to this biased magistrate judge, Bruce Reinhardt, down in Florida. And Bruce Reinhardt, this is back in August when they got this illegal home raid on Trump. This biased magistrate judge had recused six weeks prior from Trump's civil lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. And I think it was on the Russian collusion hoax. It was like the civil lawsuit. And maybe that's why this raid happened is because he was going to use that evidence in the civil lawsuit. But you had this biased judge down there, Bruce Reinhart, who, who made these Facebook posts trashing President Trump personally. So he had to recuse from this civil lawsuit. Somehow this judicial bias, clear judicial bias for which he recused six weeks prior, magically disappeared when Garland went down to him and got this unprecedented, unnecessary and unlawful home raid on Trump. And they used the Espionage Act instead of the Presidential Records Act when the Espionage Act does not apply to a former president 
in his handling of his presidential records. And they try to say, oh, these are classified records. These are not his presidential records. That is complete garbage. The presidential records, again, any document created or received by the president or his White House staff, it doesn't matter whether they're classified. Um, So two quick things I want to ask. First, if I understand correctly, the National Security Division of the DOJ is exempt from congressional oversight. That's my first question to you. And second, are they looking to make the case that after Trump is indicted for, I don't know, taking candy from babies, whatever they're trumping, espionage, all that, are they trying to say he won't be able to run for president? Do you think that's where this is going? I don't think that they're going to be able to say you can't run for president because the Constitution determines the uh, qualifications for president. I think you have to be like a natural born citizen and 35 years older or older. And there's nothing about uh, there's nothing about espionage in the Constitution. I'd have to go look. I I, I can't imagine. I don't think there's a, a way you can disqualify a presidential candidate under the Espionage Act uh, because the Constitution would trump. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, it's, we're going into some dangerous territory here where they are clearly weaponizing the justice system to interfere in a pre- look to interfere in a presidential election. Again, this is going to be the third presidential election. They interfered in 2016. Again, Hillary had her server illegal illegal server nation's most classified secrets when she's secretary of state hacked by our worst enemies including probably russia and i think that's what this is all about is i think russia had a hacked copy of her emails the russian uh, the the this whole russian collusion hoax is because i think russia has a hacked copy of her emails i'm speculating and these emails show that the clinton foundation had these illegal foreign bribery schemes, pay for play schemes, right? And so in 2016, I think Hillary realized that Russia had the hack, even though even she, she just destroyed the evidence. She destroyed the emails. She had her lawyers go through and turn over emails that she says were responsive and she destroyed the rest in, in the face of a congressional subpoena. So that's obstruction of justice. So she has an espionage act violation. She has obstruction of justice. She gets caught with this home server. I think, she, that, that, I think that's why... Hillary came up with the Steele dossier, went to uh, President Obama, Vice President Biden, the Attorney General, FBI Director James Comey, the CIA Director. I think that's why they cooked up the Russian collusion hoax in July or whenever it was of 2016, because if this Russian, if this came out from the Russians, if the Russians leaked this before the 2016 election, she knew she would have lost. So I think they were trying to say, they were trying to plan it where it would be a this is a Trump dirty trick. You can't believe this is this is a Trump dirty trick. And you say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. They'd never do that. They did it in 2020 with Hunter's laptop. Remember, Hunter got his laptop. Uh, the New York Post had a copy of the New York uh, of Hunter's laptop. And so they had the 51 former Intel goons saying that this is working with the CIA, working with the FBI, saying that this is a Russian disinformation campaign and got it got it uh, censored from from big tech since the New York post was censored, the oldest newspaper in America was censored. So if you think they're above doing this kind of stuff, uh, they did it in 2020. So they interfered in 2016 with Russian collusion. They interfered in 2020 by covering up that, uh, that Joe Biden, the FBI covered up since I was just saying they covered up again in 2020, the FBI did that Joe Biden took 
a there's evidence that Joe Biden evidence going back to 2017 that the FBI had that uh, then Vice President Joe Biden took a five million dollar foreign bribe apparently from Ukraine and changed American policy. They the FBI knew that Biden was taking millions of dollars from all over the world, from China, from Ukraine, from Romania, from elsewhere. The FBI knew that the uh, this was a corrupt, illegal pay for play scheme because they had Hunter Biden's laptop, 10 percent to the bad uh, to the big guy. And they they covered this up. They co- so they covered up for Hillary in 2016 against Trump. They covered up uh, for for Biden in 2020. And then in 2024, they're covering up again because they're going after Trump. They're indicting Trump because he was ready to re- he had these declassified crossfire hurricane records. So they go in and say that this is espionage, even though it's it's the Presidential Records Act is controlling. And notice the difference between how they're treating Trump for presidential records that he's absolutely allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. And we're very secure in the congressionally funded office of former president. Contrast that with what they did with with Biden, with what Garland did with Biden. Garland sent in the illegal home raid from the biased judge to Trump, and they made this big to-do about Trump's lawful possession of his presidential records. With Biden, Garland, Garland's colluded with Biden and his attorneys, personal attorneys, for two months, and they covered up the fact that Biden had these stolen classified records from the Obama White House and from even the Senate. And these were unguarded for many years. He didn't have Secret Service protection for two and a half years uh, they former vice presidents get Secret Service protection for up to six months after they're uh, after they leave office and then they don't get it again. Biden, unless the president, the current president gives them Secret Service protection. But Biden did not did not have Secret Service protection for two and a half years. And so these they found five stashes of stolen classified records moved several times in several different locations. And we know that Hunter Biden made a key for his Chinese agent for one of these offices. And Miranda Devine at the New York Post has pretty <laughs> good reporting that Hunter used uh, uh, this stolen classified information in a 22 point memo to secure millions of dollars in Ukrainian funding. And so wh- where is wh- where is the indictment of Biden for, for clear espionage? The Presidential Records Act does not apply to him. And when his attorneys did their four searches and then they represented to the Biden Justice Department. When Biden's attorneys did the four initial searches, the secret searches, this cozy arrangement where Biden's attorneys are looking for these records instead of the FBI, like like they did for Trump. And then Garland got caught, had to appoint special counsel Rob Herr, who's another deep stater, uniparty guy. And so then they send in the FBI for the fifth search and they find more classified records. So what did those attorneys represent to the Biden Justice Department after the first four times did they represent we did a diligent search and we turned over everything we have? So why is that not obstruction of justice like they're trying to charge Trump when he had his attorney, when his attorney represented the same thing in an affidavit, right? Why is that not obstruction of justice for Biden? When And it's actually real obstruction of justice because it's a real crime espionage. You can't obstruct justice for non-crimes like a former president having his presidential records. Well, Mike, this has been so helpful. I've learned a lot listening to you, even though I follow you and read everything that you put on on Twitter and all of your interviews. But I know that our listeners will be very appreciative for how you broke this down before we let you go, because we know you're super busy. Again, thanks for your time. When do you expect this indictment to be announced? 
I don't have any inside information, and I'm, I'm doing that on purpose. I don't want to get dragged into this, but I, am, I expect it will come out today or tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong, but brace yourselves. Okay. Oh, we man. are braced. <laughs> we are fully we're, braced. We're right, ready. Liz? We're, we're ready. Um, thank you again, Mike. I will put all of your contact information down in our show notes. Definitely follow Mike on Twitter. He's at the Article 3 Project. And Julie, are we going to be here next week? We will. All right, we will. So thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.